Welcome to the first edition of the Friendly City Insider Podcast. I'm Craig Hemingway, Communications Manager with the City of Moose Jaw, and we're proud to launch the Friendly City Insider. It will be a bi-weekly podcast featuring interviews with members of City of Moose Jaw administration and other community leaders providing details on city initiatives, events, and programs that impact life here in the Friendly City. You know, one of the reasons we chose this week to launch was to give some of the information provided to the mayor and members of city council during the two-day budget presentations, January 12th and 13th. To recap, going into the weekend, administration presented council with a budget that would see a 4.02% property tax increase this year. And over Friday and Saturday, the various departments within City Hall presented their budgets to council, though budget deliberations are not quite over. In fact, engineering wasn't able to make it through all of their presentation before time ran out on Saturday, so a follow-up budget meeting has been scheduled for January 29th. Public can attend those, by the way. There were several items noteworthy, though, in the engineering budget we decided to focus on this week. They are subjects we all care about on some level, some more passionately than others, to be sure, and those would be the state of our roads and garbage collection. An engineering firm was contracted to evaluate all city-owned roads in Moose Jaw and, maybe not surprisingly, our arterials, roads like Thatcher Drive, 9th Avenue, West and East, uh, were deemed below what would be considered good condition. Similar results were found for major collector roads like Cotto Street, Woodley Drive and roads like those. Uh, minor collector roads also fell in the same category. And again, maybe not surprisingly, a majority of local roads like residential streets and crescents, especially in newer subdivisions, were deemed at or above the target level. So that information was presented to council along with what type of monetary investment for maintenance would be needed based on what target council chooses to set for the condition of those roads. And the road evaluation is just one part of the overall picture. Director of Engineering Josh Mickleborough painted with his presentation on asset management on Saturday. And Josh joins us now. Josh, first take us through what asset management encompasses. I guess the simplest way to put that would be you know, you, you understand what you own with respect to roads, water mains, sewer, uh, pump stations, all of that. Um, and then it, it does, it becomes a question of, of making sure that you're doing the right maintenance uh, at the right time. So that's the goal of it, to make sure that we're, you know, minimizing the cost of doing the maintenance to our infrastructure. Uh, there's also a component there where you know, we, we live in a world of limited resources and, uh, you know, we want the community to understand uh, how that infrastructure supports what they do on a day-to-day -day basis and what a realistic level of service for our water, sewer uh, and roads would be. Water mains are, are, are part of that and, and we'll discuss, you know, the cast iron in phase three at a, at a later date, uh, a couple of other things though stood out uh, during that that report. The roads in the city, you know, what's what's above this, the, all the roads we drive on in the city of Musha. An extensive report was done, uh, looking at the the shape of the roads and then also compared with what shape they they should be in, uh, compared to where they are now, and then kind of a level of investment in terms of if we invest this much money, we can get them here and this much money would take them there. Can you talk about that process and, and roughly what we found with that report? Sure, so what it all starts with is, of course, understanding what we own. Um, and then the next step, and we had, um, 
what we call assessments complete, so condition assessments. So that involves having a technical ex expert come and look at our roads and say what kind of condition are they in, right? Are they, uh, is there alligator cracking? Are there large failures or potholes? Or are they, you know, smooth and, and drivable? So, you know, you get a snapshot in time when you do that. They, they uh, inspected all the roads. So now we kind of have a consistent frame of reference for understanding the condition they're in at this point in time. Uh, from there, yeah, you, you kind of look at a scale of 1 to 10 uh, and you say this is where they are, uh, where do we want them to be? And I think that that's, that's important. Council needs to have that line of sight. They need to know, um, you know, again, what realistic expectations are with respect to condition and what it's going to cost to get those roads there. So we've got the snapshot in time. You can... Uh, you know how, roughly how long payment lasts and you can give council a real good idea about whether the level of investment that's being made is, is sustainable into the future and whether you can expect a, you know, long term uh, a, a better condition in your road network or if you know, maybe the investment isn't enough, uh, you're getting a, a, you could be in the situation where you're getting a worse um, condition overall in the network. Was there anything in that that surprised you when you got the looked at the assessment of our roads? We looked at uh, arterials being the busiest roads, collectors, you know, a little less busy and, and local. And, you know, this is some of the important information for council too, is how do you want to direct the investment? And uh, if you work on the assumption that you want your busiest roads in the best condition and maybe, you know, the street in front of your house or my house uh, doesn't need to be as good, um, you know, just those kind of trade-offs. There was some information there uh, for council to consider, and uh, you know, basically what it found was that we've got pretty good local roads, uh, and you know, they're performing probably a little better than than some of our arterials relatively. So yeah, we'll see. We've got a, a road program uh, roughed out and developed. Uh, we'll be putting that out to tender. Uh, to, to renew and uh, maintain the roadways for 2018. Um, it also makes our job as engineering a lot easier, you know, you've got a good snapshot, you can plan five-year projects well in advance, uh, so yeah, you, you know, you see things like hopefully better quality, better project management as a result of it too. Yeah. And the one thing, of course, uh, where that does tie into the to water main replacement, of course, is that any section that's getting a, a replacement, that will become a new road at that point as well, correct? Yeah, that wasn't reflected in the analysis. Uh, you know, obviously, these are uh, there's a lot of data uh, to chew through. And uh, at this point, we just didn't, you know, uh, reflect the cast iron work. So, you know, the bulk of that is going to be on local roads, and, and they will indeed end up with with a new road. So, um, you know, there was kind of two different scenarios presented. Uh, one was kind of our current funding level of about uh, $4 million, and the other one was about $7.3 million. And, uh, you know, it was quite telling. You know, $4 million um, results in a lower level of service, whereas the 7.3, which is a lot more money for council to, to try and find, um, did indicate that we were getting uh, and making meaningful improvements to the road network. And our thanks to Director of Engineering Josh Mickleborough, our first guest on the Friendly City Insider podcast. Now, before we talk waste management and its budget implications, 
I did want to remind you that the deadline for community grant applications with the city is January 31st. There are grants available to sport, culture, and recreation groups in the city who want to make improvements to city facilities to enhance the experience of not only their groups but others. Just head to the homepage of moosejaw.ca and you can find the details there. Now, on to waste collection and the overall waste management picture in Moose Jaw as it relates to our city's budget. You'll remember that curbside waste collection was implemented in what are now Zones 1 through 4, August 1st of 2017. No decision on expanding the program citywide has been made as of yet, and bi-weekly waste collection was implemented citywide October 1st. Now, all those decisions do have budget impacts and will impact the future of our landfill, which we found out has a little more life left than we thought this time last year. Municipal Operations Manager Darren Stephenson presented the waste collection budget story on the weekend, revealing some stats from the first five months of curbside, namely some of the efficiencies they were hoping to find were realized. One other interesting stat from that budget, last year close to 1,600 waste bins were broken, costing the city over $200,000, and of those broken bins, over 1,380 were from back lanes, the other 209 coming from front pickup. Darren Stephenson joins us now to discuss waste and recycling collection and the looming issue of replacing the landfill. But first, Darren, your observations on the first five months of curbside collection. So far, it is going reasonably well. Um, obviously, there were some hiccups in the initial stages. Uh, pretty big change for, for citizens and, of course, for our drivers as well, new routes and, and such. Uh, but once things kind of settled down and they got more into the routine, and certainly when we looked at the last quarter, uh, we started to see some big improvements, which we were expecting to see, so it was nice to confirm. And, of course, when we did do the analysis, uh, looking at the GPS system and pulling that data, uh, it did show that our routes were, were almost 20% more efficient in our collection time per bin uh, when we moved to the street versus the back lanes. So it was, the, I guess, the affirmation of, of the changes that we thought we would see in moving the service, so it was, it was good. And we all know change is not always easy, so certainly an appreciation for our residents that have complied with the, the program as it sits right now and are making sure that their garbage and recycling is out front and being collected as intended. Garbage is near and dear to, to many people's hearts as we've learned through this process, uh, but really it's, it's uh, it was done in response to some fiscal challenges that the city's facing. We all know the uh, infrastructure hurdles that we have to overcome here in the city. And really that was the focus, to alleviate the tax dollars that are being pulled out of a homeowner's pocket and try to provide a service that's sustainable for the utility, sustainable for the city, and ultimately the best cost value uh, for our customers, the people of Moose Jaws. So um, in that sense, I, I think it is a good solution and uh, it seems to be working. Of course, Zones 5 through 8 have yet to transition to curbside, and City Council will determine whether or not that happens as the budget process continues. But, Darren, can you talk about curbside pickup and the role it plays in the larger solid waste picture? Curbside is obviously a piece, um, you know, 20 30% kind of piece of our utility as a whole uh, cost center. So it's one service that we provide, uh, but we wanted to make sure we looked at the whole utility as a whole. Um, you know, landfill is, is facing some challenges as, as we've let council and the city know. Uh, we've got a ticking time uh, clock here on, on the, life, the life cycle that's left in that landfill. 
Uh, we have had some recent studies done to determine our elevations uh, and, and analyze the airspace that we have left and uh, what our maximum engineered height that, that ultimately can go to before it has to be closed and, and it's not possible to operate on anymore. So we have made recommendations to council to that effect uh, to an elevation that we think we can get to without incurring significant operational increases, uh, which would have to be offset by, by users. Um, and that's going to give us five to six years, which is enough time for us to look at what that next step is and all the regulatory changes and approvals that we have to go through to make that happen. From there, though, we go to recycling, and as that program continues as well, what have we noticed? Um, maybe not as big uptick in the recycling numbers to correlate with a lack of waste going to the landfill? Uh, 2017, uh, I guess initial look at the recycling numbers was a little disappointing, but along uh, when we did a little further analysis, had some conversations with the contractor and the, what they're seeing as, as results around the province from other municipalities, um, I'd say Mooshjaw is actually maybe a bit of a, a good news story from that sense. Uh, while we only saw about a 1.3% increase from 16 to 17 tonnage levels for recycling, uh, we did see a decrease in waste. So uh, there's a corresponding increase in, I guess, the ratio of recycling to waste in Mooshjaw. But further to that, uh, that slight increase that we did see in tonnage actually was in opposite direction from what we're being told uh, from the contractors that other cities are seeing. Uh, it sounds like a lot of municipalities in 17 saw actually a slight decrease in recycling levels, so we kind of went against the trend there. So that is good news for us to hear that we're having continued um, uptick in the activity with our curbside recycling program. Yeah, and of course one of the things that's really key in making uh, things like bi-weekly pickup work uh, is recycling anything that can be recycled. Absolutely. So. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be a strain on, on uh, your household waste when you've been moved to a bi-weekly schedule, particularly as you get into some of the warmer months and out of the doldrums of winter. Uh, but that recycling is absolutely a key component in making that uh, waste bin go the bi-weekly uh, time limit, right? Um, we have done waste, characteriz waste characterization analysis at the landfill here recently. And... Somewhat, I guess, disappointing. It was to see that we're still seeing approximately 25% recyclable products make it into the residential stream from homes uh, going to our landfill despite having the recycling program. So there's still obviously room for improvement overall as a city uh, that we can do to increase that diversion level out of the waste stream and into the recycling. Our thanks to Municipal Operations Manager Darren Stephenson. And that will do it for the first episode of the Friendly City Insider Podcast. If you have a question you would like answered on a future show, you can let us know. Just head to the Contact Us page at moosejaw.ca. Thanks for listening. I'm Craig Hemingway.